Hello, everyone. Welcome to the PPC Show, brought to you by AdStage. I am Paul Wicker. I'm J.D. Prater. And today is January 18th in the grand year of 2019. And these are your top headlines in paid marketing. Our favorite topic of all, Snapchat, is number one. And surprise, surprise, another top-level exec, their CFO, has fled the building. Ooh, this one hurts, you know. And I, I love the story around this one as well. Like uh, he's leaving, he's out, you know, he's only there for a couple of months, less than a year. Um, but supposedly the inside story is that he went around Evan's back to ask for more money, but failed. I did not read that. So I read the official announcement where Evan just says like, I appreciate his short but impactful tenure. So I did notice he acknowledged that it was less than a year, but I did not know that he was trying to work around Evan. He couldn't get a raise or something, but I don't know. That place is a train wreck. Uh, their stock's probably down. I mean, your CFO is critical when you're a public company that is in the position they're in. So that is not good for business operations or faith in them or their stock price. So I didn't check stock, but I bet it went down. Although it's yeah. hard for it to go down. So maybe it didn't go down. And this is also crazy too. So um, this is what Financial Times is reporting of his salary. Uh, this was eight months ago was he was making half a million dollars a year plus a restricted stock units initially worth $20 million. This is the CFO that left. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know these guys are in a club. They're in Not a club enough. that make an incredible amount of money that it's like un impossible to imagine. So the snap stock went from trading at $6 and 54 cents, which is a nice little bump for them. And then there was like a cliff where it dropped to $5 and 73 cents overnight. And then it seems like it's creeping back up. So they took a really quick hit and, who knows? Uh, but they had a, a little recovery going on. Their stock bottomed out around like four, uh, just four something, 490 or something like that. So they made it back up to almost $7, but this sets them back again. Poor Snap. Uh, none of you are probably advertising on Snap, so we shouldn't talk about them too much. Um, but in terms of other interesting company disasters, uh, this next one's pretty amazing. I... So I didn't catch this one. Like, I'm so glad that you like brought this to my attention because I caught like the other side, like what's going to happen for marketers, which we'll get into, but I really loved um, this. So if you guys remember Verizon, you guys remember Verizon, Verizon, they spun off and they became Oath and Oath was going to be like their media brand. And then they were like, no, not Oath anymore. We're now Verizon Media Group. Well, during this whole entire time, they also bought Yahoo, if you guys remember this. So, uh, you guys remember once the, the, like, the search giant of the world like 10 years ago? Yeah, Yahoo. What were you telling me that supposedly they're, they got an offer for how much? Like $50 billion or something? $80 billion they were, you know, could have been acquired for. And they were like, no, I think we're worth like $100 billion. So, you know. Right. Jerry Yang, no. right? Wasn't he the CEO? Yes, that's correct. That's and yeah, correct. he famously turned down the offer. And then ever since that day, perhaps their, their valuation tumbled. And then they acquired for $4.8 which is a lot of money. But when your last offer was 80, that's, that's not great. But yeah, you know, Oath bought them. Well, they bought a few folks. They bought uh, AOL, mm -hmm. they bought Yahoo, and probably a bunch of other assets and tried to put together this Oath thing. Well, they just announced the value... So when you do financials, you can like claim the value of your brand. So like when Nike does its financials, like the Nike swoosh and the brand value of Nike is like billions of dollars because that's why people buy their, their product. 
uh, and it's kind of a special category on in your financials, which we would have to get into. So that value of the Yahoo brand used to be $4.8 billion in their new financials. It is now worth $200 million. They wrote down the value of the Yahoo brand from $4.8 billion down $4.6 billion. And now they're saying the Yahoo brand is only worth 200 million. Amazing. Wow. I mean, wow. I just, 200 million. I, I, I mean, that's still a lot of money. I get it, but that's 80 billion to less than 5 billion to 200 million. It's insane. And you like, if you remember when Yahoo was first acquired, it's when they had that huge data leak. So even the 4.6 billion or 4.8 billion they were acquired for was like knocked down from another number because they had that huge data breach. So then Verizon came back and like, hey, take a billion off the top. And even now, it seems like Verizon overpaid. Now, that sounds terrible that they wrote down all that valuation, but remember, this isn't revenue. So Yahoo, the brand, still has a ton of people that use Yahoo. I mean, Yahoo Sports is wildly popular still. Yahoo News has some users. Yahoo Auto is, is popular from what I remember from the last sales pitch I had from the Yahoo team. So, they, you know, they have some categories where they do well and they still generate quite a bit of revenue. It's just the brand value has now been valued at $200 million, which is crazy. Crazy. But this is the good part, right? So this is the part that I caught with all of this news. So I was like, oh man, they got, you know, written off. Paul was explaining it to me. But what I caught was, oh, well, Bing is basically absorbing Gemini. So this is that Yahoo uh, search that we're all familiar with, it's going to be exclusively served by Bing ads. And so now you're going to see AOL and Yahoo Gemini all being served back into Bing, which if you guys remember like five years ago, it used to be like Bing Yahoo. Uh, we're back to that now. And so that didn't quite work out for Yahoo and now Bing's going to get it. And for all of you Bing advertisers, this is fantastic, right? So Bing has now got Yahoo and AOL. If you remember, they also acquired LinkedIn and they've integrated some of that LinkedIn targeting, like they could make a run here. I mean, it's still not Google inventory. I think they are um, quote unquote saying the US could see up to 10 to 15% increase um, in clicks. So, hey, I mean, that's nothing to like, you know, sneeze at, like that's, that's really good. And I think for performance marketers, we're really gonna like that. So I, I welcome this announcement. I think it was the, definitely the highlight of my week. And it's, yeah, we used to call it Bing Who back in the day. Um, <laughs> Before Jim and I decided to try it again. <laughs> Another funny point, we got a bottle of champagne. So we integrate with Yahoo Gemini, which apparently was a waste of time. <laughs> it's going away. You can get that inventory through Bing. But uh, they sent us a bottle of really nice champagne uh, from Oath. And then by the time we got it, the Oath brand is, but we just got it for the holiday. And the Oath brand is gone. And they just wrote down the value of Yahoo by a bajillion dollars. And they also did layoffs. So they ended up laying off or giving... Uh, uh, like packages to a huge chunk of the old Yahoo staff. So, but they still sent out a hundred dollar bottle of champagne. So something's going right for somebody over there. I don't know. Or they were just like, F this, <laughs> we're going to spend the money before we get fired. Yeah. So, and all of this rollout should be done by the end of Q1. So by March 31st, you should be seeing this inventory in your account. So April hits, you'll be ready to rock. Nice. Um, Hey, the next story is about a company you know well. So you guys have custom conversions now. Is that true? Yeah, we just launched uh, custom conversions. So uh, we didn't make a, a big deal out of this one as we probably should have, you know, uh, 
that's just, I don't know, whatever. And so you can now do custom conversions where you can input a URL. So you no longer have to just like rely. So we have the pixel, right? Which people love putting on. They have no problem with that. Where a lot of advertisers are struggling is the event tracking that comes with conversion tracking. And so now you can say, hey, I have this thank you page track that, that'll be my custom conversion and make that part of it. So no like on click for buttons and stuff, but specifically URLs. So if you got thank you pages, that kind of stuff, that kind of right. custom conversion. Okay, that was gonna be my question about on click. Cause you know, ad stage at one point, we rolled out our own conversion pixel like five years ago and everybody wanted all this on click nonsense and confusing things. We never ended up doing it, but I, could, I, I would guess in six months you'll have on click, but this is a big step forward. So congrats for doing that. Yeah, we're pretty excited. There's been um, a lot of like lead gen people, you know, that don't really have access to their website and they're wanting to get started and they're waiting for the next sprint, you know, so they can get their code implemented. And you don't, you don't have to wait now. So you can just go in and put in your URLs. Nice. And speaking of capturing leads, uh, HubSpot did a really nice piece about forms and email. So it's a little bit outside our wheelhouse in the sense of, uh, you know, it's about email and email lead capture. But, uh, you know, not a lot of surprises on here, but it was a good little article. Yeah, I was, again, I, I really liked the article uh, because there's a ton of data and there's a lot of good survey data. There were some limitations around it, but some of like the main findings that I, I thought to be pretty staggering was, you know, forms aren't dead. You know, we, we've been hearing a lot about conversational marketing, that chat bots are taking over, they're the future. And it's just not true yet, maybe. And so 74% of marketers are using forms for lead gen. Done. 50% of those marketers say that web forms are the highest converting lead generation tool. So they're not going anywhere. They're, they're getting most of their leads from there and they're also their highest converting. And this was the other part to that was chatbots still have a low adoption. Only 17% of marketers say they're using chatbots. However, only six and a half percent say it's their best converting lead capture tool. So it's, it's still either it's coming or it's like a slow death. One of the right. Yeah. TBD. Um, yeah, there were some good tips. If you're doing forms and you've been thinking about, you know, updating your forms or some of the obvious data in this, you know, they ran a survey and collected all this data. So things about average length of a web form is five fields, uh, multi-step forms. Something I was surprised by, multi-step forms convert 86% higher, although only 40% of marketers use multi-step forms. And those that do have a 70% higher satisfaction rate. Um, so if if you've been thinking about updating your form, maybe try multi-step form. And although I do kind of wonder, like the form itself isn't really a lead tool, right? Like the form is part of something. Like the, you, you fill out the form to get the white paper, you fill out the form to get the newsletter. So it's a little weird to think of the form itself as, a, as the lead gen tool. Um, so people are connecting these things to things like eBooks. So in fact, eBooks are the most popular lead magnet. So if, if you know marketing, you know about lead magnets, if not Google it. Uh, but only, I think it was like half of people are actually using lead magnets, which was surprising. And of that, most popular was a ebook. Some people yeah. using webinars, some people using free tools, um, 21% in fact, which I was surprised. That feels like the best lead magnet is when you actually get a useful tool for free. So you give your email address because you want to use something, but also takes a lot of work to build. <laughs> it's true. I, I agree with that one. I, I like the idea of that as a lead gen. I just, I, I mean, come on, who, who I, I download eBooks, white papers, 
charts all the time just because I just want the screenshots. That's really what it comes down to. Or I, I want to send it to a friend and be like, see, I told you, look, mm-hmm. chatbots aren't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they work. I mean, white papers work. I mean, we do our own quarterly benchmark report that will be coming out soon. And that gets a ton of downloads because it has average CPCs and people love to benchmark themselves against averages. So definitely there's other things that could work and tools are kind of high, high, you know, a lot of resource to get them working. I still think um, Larry Kim, you know, uh, the website, or not website grader, the SEM grader, I forget what it's called. Maybe yeah, it's he's called. got their, they got their AdWords grader and their Facebook grader. Right. Those graders are like, that is the company. The company is based on the fact that he started doing that years ago, got millions of not just email addresses, but AdWords accounts, like all AdWords accounts. So he could see like who's spending, what are they spending on, what's performance and then use that as just like this gold mine of leads for his product. So, if, you know, I go, I've tried to figure that out with ad stage. Like, do we have something we can give to people that's valuable? It's also valuable for us. That's free. In fact, I'm pushing for Q1 for us to do a freemium or something. You know, we have a great Slack app, but no one wants to pay like 500 bucks a month for a Slack app. Or we have a great Google Sheets product, which is a lot like Supermetrics, but Nobody wants to pay $500 for it because you could buy Supermetrics for, you know, less than a hundred bucks. Although they keep raising prices, but either way, I want to do a lead <laughs> magnet with a product. Do it. I know you, you, when you were here, you were an advocate of that too. So still, still an advocate. Um, okay. I was going to say, speaking of, I'm trying to segue. I don't even know what the next story is. Oh, the state of social uh, yeah. the buffer article. Buffer did it, you know, so Buffer is a, you know, social sharing uh, platform. They're a SaaS company, right? We're all pretty familiar. They've got a, a fantastic blog. Uh, they put out their state of social, which again is a, is a survey. It is detailed. It is, there's a lot to unpack here. So I'm just going to give maybe some, a couple of quick highlights that I took away from it because I was like, oh, I'm kind of surprised by that. So um, the biggest one is like, People love stories, right? People are using stories. They're, they're loving them. You know, over 1 billion accounts are using stories globally. And Facebook has been pushing it hard, right? I mean, a lot of their narrative is stories, 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 right? However, brands are saying that they are finding them somewhat effective, right? So 57% of brands are like, meh, it's not that effective, right? It's, it's only like somewhat effective. A third of them don't even know if they are effective, right? And so you kind of, you're left with like this 75, 80% of businesses that are like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just doing it, right? And so we kind of like drinking this Kool-Aid. And then this one, part of that too is like, well, then we should be running ads, right? We should be running these story ads. These are the future. 62% of respondents said they had yet to invest in stories. And I was like, what? Like, where have you been? And, but hey, 61 said they plan on doing it in 2019. So maybe they've been holding off on it to see what's going to happen. But I was like really surprised that everyone's using it. Everyone's doing it. We're drinking the Kool-Aid. We're not measuring it at all. We don't know if it's working and no, no one's really doing ads yet. And I was like, man, <laughs> once they do, look right. out. Opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean, my takeaway is messaging. Nobody cares. Yeah, the messaging <laughs> apps. It's overlooked. Yeah. I think it just doesn't work. But Yeah, they said like 71% said, are you using messaging apps for marketing? And the answer was no. Like seven out of 10 marketers are like, no. Yeah, anyway. Long road to get Messenger to be useful. Uh, video is the opposite. So 
almost everybody's doing video at this point. Only 14 and a half percent said they don't do any video content. Everybody else has at least done something monthly or more frequently. So video now, I mean, if it's true, that's like 86% of people are now doing video, which is pretty darn high. Um, yeah. Did you see the influencer once too? Like, you know, so we, we, you probably, I see this all the time, right? Influencers, influencers, the next thing, everyone's doing this, there's fraud and whatever. Well, two, th- or like, uh, 63% have never worked with influencers. And I was like, what? <laughs> Again, I was like, yeah. man, I really thought this was a bigger thing. And it's been around for a long time. I remember going, I remember going to Twitter, some partner events at the Twitter building and they were, they had just launched like, cause they, oh, it's when they acquired Vine and they were trying to basically, mm-hmm. they brought all the agencies in to try to sell them influencer marketing. And it was really compelling. I was there, you know, they were doing like a technical API thing as well, but it was like a big deli or all day event. So I was just there anyway. And I was like, wow, I want to do influencer marketing. That sounds pretty cool. It was super easy. You could like, it was a UI. You can like set a budget, pick some influencers, tell them the content you want, review it. It was like really nice. But I think it's just so niche and like so difficult. Maybe it seems difficult, but uh, yeah, it's been around a long time. It has failed to catch on. Um, but we, oh, we should talk about influencer because I think the next story uh, is about influencer. But before we move on from the buffer one, yeah. the other story I was amazed or the other data point, uh, they asked the question, which of the following channels does your business use currently? Hmm. I mean, so I don't know. Did you see this? If I quiz you, are you just going to cheat and read? Yeah. Okay. Number one's Facebook, 93%. The number two, I was really surprised. I was thinking Instagram, um, maybe YouTube, Twitter. Twitter's the number two most used channel for businesses to do social media marketing. Uh, so they're still super pervasive. This is more on like the organic side than the paid right. side. Right. So it's sometimes hard for my brain to remember that, but still 84% on Twitter, 80% Instagram, 70% LinkedIn. Then you have YouTube at 60%, Pinterest 28%. And then you have poor Snapchat. You got to keep going. WhatsApp, Instagram TV gets more users than Snapchat. Did you see Twitch made it though? Yeah, Twitch is on there. 1.7. That's my, you know, my big prediction for, uh, I think it was a 2020 prediction, but, and TikTok, that's like the new, I think it's a Chinese company that owns TikTok and it's supposed to be the new, like thing the kids are using that I don't know what it is. I think so. I think it is. It's supposed to be like, remember when Snapchat first came out and everyone's like, it's just dick pics and it's, you know, because they're disappearing photos and it's just this terrible thing kids are using. And now, of course, uh, 8.7% of us have Snapchat strategies for marketing. TikTok has that vibe and that's how people talk about it. I literally have no idea what it is though. Something to do with video. I was asking the youths about this and I was like, what do you think about this TikTok? And they were like, nah, I don't like the UI. It's convoluted. Uh, and I was like, but you use Snapchat and that's convoluted. Anyway, right. we can some, we like can, memes or something. It's like video memes, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Kids these days. I li- Did you listen to the Pivot article or the Pivot, last Pivot, not last, two Pivots ago podcast without Kara Swisher with Scott and like some other dude. Dang, that one was so good. Man, it's depressing. It's like not, not the millennials. The moral of the story is millennials will be fine. They're they're hardworking, you know, they, they're digitally native and all this crap. They work hard. They're going to be productive members of society. The next generation, Generation Z, is that what it is? Yeah, Z. Um, You're screwed. Like, oh, my God, they're in rough shape. They have, like, terrible rates of depression, suicide. 
they can't handle like criticism. They have no interpersonal skills. They just fold with any amount of pressure. He calls them the, which I think is kind of condescending, not vulnerable, but he kept calling the fragile. He wrote a book like The Rise of Fragility. Like they're these fragile souls. And he talks about how in universities, like they can't have honest conversations. And it's weird because you hear this from the right wingers a lot of times that like the world has become so PC that no one can have a conversation. And you kind of, you know, it's Alex Jones. You're like, yeah, no one cares about it. <laughs> no offense, you right wingers that listen to this. Uh, but to hear these left wing liberal professors at NYU Stern School talk about how the same argument, it's like, wow, if you're hearing it from both sides, like it must be pretty rough at universities right now. Yeah. One thing I took away from that one was um, when he said, if you're offended, you're right. Right. And that's, that's, that's the difficult part is once you become offended, you're automatically right. And so you're seeing these fragile, you know, people and they're getting offended and they're automatically coddled and it's okay. You know, and it's like, you're in the wrong because you offended them. And right. Like he said, it's how you earn social capital amongst your peers. Like the way you're popular or you're cool has changed. And who knows if the other ways historically is it money or like aggressiveness aren't great ways either. But his argument is like, now it's about, are you wounded? Like, did someone offend you? And the, the quicker you are to be offended and find an offender is like the more followers you'll get on social media and the more mm -hmm. like righteous you'll feel. And that's how they derive like a sense of value for themselves, which is like super toxic because you're just looking around at the world waiting to blame everyone for everything. And so it's like even your positive moments come from negative moments. It sounds horrible. Whew, that was a good one. We well, should start a, an entire podcast, which is true. just talking about their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. To bring it home, I think uh, dynamic search ads. Yeah. Dynamic search ads and being, uh, this was a really good one and they're rolling out page feeds for customers over the next few weeks. So it may not be there just yet, but uh, you know, I think all of us are pretty familiar with DSAs within Google, uh, kind of very similar within that to where you can target certain URLs or groups of URLs, and then you can leverage them in the feed in your DSA campaign. And hey, let Bing take over and you know, uh, help you guys out with some, maybe getting some more keywords that you don't have in your account. That's always my favorite strategy with DSAs is take all your keywords, make them negatives in a DSA, and then DSA can find keywords that I don't have. And we'll see how they perform. It's, it's the bot, it's the machine doing your job for you. Soon you'll just plug in your website and a credit card and be like, go do my marketing machines. Hey man, give me some results. Yeah, uh, <laughs> hey, if it works, uh, why not? And then I think the last story we have is a political one. It's pretty short because it's nothing new for us here in the US or people apparently in the UK or Brazil. But there's been a lot of political ad transparency efforts that Facebook has done over the past year. So right now, if you're a political advertiser, which we've covered on the show, uh, you have to confirm your identity and location before you can run an ad. In fact, JD ran ads, as we talked about, for his like, uncle, who sadly lost by a few votes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you went through this very painful process. And then once you make it through and you run those ads, those, those ads are then housed in like a public searchable library. So people can search them for up to seven years. It's like the IRS. Um, well, now with a bunch of new elections coming out, those practices are coming to places like Nigeria, Ukraine, India, uh, and the EU prior to the May election. So making progress in the right way. Yeah, I mean, this is all they really can do is to keep 
us up to date, you know, I think there's been a few other articles this week, but this one really is like the main one for Facebook ads. You know, they, they did, I think they're donating some money and then they, they took down some Russian, <laughs> more Russian accounts, you know, so there's, I mean, we could talk about Facebook literally every single hour, you know, all day for this podcast, but I think this one was good. I, I, I'm, I welcome this one because it's, it's a good step in the right direction that again, making it transparent, especially when it comes to politics and housing it up for seven years. Like that's, that's crazy. When you think about it, like seven years ago, like, man, <laughs> it's so long. I know the world changes so fast. It, it's a great competitive tool. I mean, a ton of people have started using the ability to see who's advertising by going to their page and like looking at ads that that page has run. That's mm -hmm. become like a standard competitive practice now, um, which came out of this slightly related. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I forgot they did just take down two like major, you know, groups or uh, was it Facebook groups they removed from Facebook? But they're continuing to work uh, to try to clean up Facebook. So yeah, and they're, and they're telling us about it. You know, I think that's you know, I think they're gonna have to like the the, the bigger trend is they're gonna they have a lot of um, goodwill they're gonna have to shore up and a lot of trust they're gonna have to earn back. I mean, we're gonna continue to spend, but I think just in within the world and maybe even for shareholders, they're gonna have to earn it back. I do want to plug one more company because uh, I meant to segue into it. When we were talking about the Buffer article, we talked about influencers and how it's failed to catch on. Another article that I had seen, there's these group of YouTubers who launched like a collaborative group and now they're like selling, you know, like airtime on their YouTube channels. But instead mm -hmm. of just doing it on their own, they've created this thing called Collab, like Collaborate. And it's, they're calling it an independent digital entertainment studio it's been around since 2012 but it's now you know picking up some steam uh i had a number five billion views every month according to oh. comscore Com comscore started tracking them in september and since then recognized it as a top 10 youtube partner and they get five billion video views so that's a shortcut if you want to do an influencer but you don't want to start trying to figure out how to find these YouTube talents to have them, you know, promote your crap. You can just find someone like Collab. Yeah, and it looks like they got a, a former Googler to come and help them out with some sales. So hopefully that'll help you guys out. Nice. That's all the news we have. There is one more article we won't talk about because we're out of time, but Gartner put out their analytics survey for 2018. So if you're curious in what 500 companies have to say in their 2018 mm -hmm. marketing analytics survey, We'll have that in the newsletter this week. So just go over to blog.adsage.io. You have to do it quickly because we're sending this out on Monday. But uh, if you if you get this, hmm, yeah, if you hear this now, go sign up now so that on Monday you can get this email and there's a great link to the Gardner article, which is really interesting. It was, I, I agree. I, I, I did read that one and I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good quotes in there as well, but there's also just a lot of good, a lot of good information on what these 500 companies are doing with their analytics. It's, it's good. If you are not an analytics pro in 2019, it's going to be hard to, to get a job and paid. That's for sure. So it's yeah. definitely good to spend some time in that doc. All right. That is all the news we have. You're going to go sign up for the newsletter like we just talked about. So I don't have to tell you about it. And then you can always find more of these episodes on SoundCloud. So go, go find some more episodes and have a great week. See you guys.
Okay. Okay, we're now recording. I believe they wrote that off. Uh, <clears throat> okay, and since you are more well-read, I might actually lean on you to do most of the like summaries. This would be a nice little change of pace. Yeah, I can just do some color commentary. <laughs> no, no, I'm doing the color commentary. You're doing the <laughs> stories. We can't have two color color commentary. Some of this. We'll be waiting for the other one to tell us what's in the story. Uh, yeah, we can do that. That's fine. Uh, okay. Are you ready? <clears throat> yeah. Well, let's start off with like these like funny ones, Snap and Verizon. Okay. Those are just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which will bleed. Uh, if we start off with Snap, then we can go into the Verizon, which will bleed into Bing ads getting their inventory. There you go. All right. Cool. Let's do it. All right, then we're going to do that, then that, and then some other stuff. Okay, 